welcome to another exciting podcast from Sydney Life Church. And now, here's Pastor Tom Ingalls. Um, I was going to share something with you, but I don't want anybody to get offended. Say, I will not be offended. Because <laughs> I don't think there's anybody will fall into these... Ca- Barbara's looking at me like this. I don't, I don't think anybody will fall into these categories, but all of us have been to conferences, right? And, you know, you meet some, you see some funny people at conferences. Have you noticed? I'm going to give you um, eight categories of different people that you'll find. it, And don't get offended if you fall into one of these categories. <laughs> but number one, I got this from, from something this week. I thought it was funny, man. The rogue chauffeur player. You know the guy's always got the chauffeur? And he just pitches up and he's going to play that chauffeur. The thing about the chauffeur player is... They usually play at random times. It's like <laughs> there's nothing necessarily spiritual happening. And then the chauffeur goes and it's like, whoa, what was that? So you always get those guys at conferences. Then there's the, the networker. The networker is the guy who's, who's come to the conference just because he wants to meet people and promote his ministry, you know. He's the only guy apart from the speaker that wears a suit. And so he's always, he's always meeting people. There's a swag bag, swag bag enthusiast. He paid good money, so he fills up his bag with free gift stickers, coffee mugs, rubber bra- bracelets, and mouse pads. He gets home satisfied, although he didn't hear a word the preacher was saying, but he's got his bag. So the, these, and then this one was the unofficial tambourine player. You ever met one of those guys? We had one of them come to the church years ago, man, and, and uh, she wanted to play that tambourine, and I says, you're out of beat, man, it's just can't happen. But there she was, self-appointed percussionist. Then there's a flag waver. And we believe in flags, you know, so don't get me wrong, but you sometimes got to duck when the guys wave the flags. It's like nearly take your head off. And then you get the coffee supper. Jesus is important, but so is coffee. <laughs> Say no more. Say no more. Then there's a hippie. You ever notice the hippie? The hippie comes with its shoes and wears very colorful shirts. It's got his flowers in the hair from the convention garden outside. Then there's a gadget guy. The gadget guy is armed with his iPad, his iPhone. The first question he asks is, is there any free Wi-Fi in the house? Anyway, I thought that was funny. A light moment, that's all it is. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for what you're sharing with us, what you're teaching us. We thank you so much for your presence. Lord, I'm asking you to help me communicate this uh, to your precious people this morning. Let every ear be open and every heart to receive the engrafted word of God. Father, I trust in you this morning to help me. In Jesus' name, amen. I felt led to start on a, on a series, and I'm going to take some time to go through this. Um, you know, we're up against a spiritual battle. There is, there is the natural, which we all understand, but there is a spiritual realm as well. So I want to look at that a little bit this morning. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to share with you something about the mystery of God and the, uh, <clears throat> how the mystery of God... A lot of Christians don't really understand what the mystery of God is, but it's so clearly written in Scripture. And how the mystery of God... If we understand it, it can help us against the spiritual forces of darkness. But if we don't understand it, then uh, we're up against all kinds of heart and pain and, and things like that. And so we have to understand the spiritual realm. How does the spiritual realm work? So I'm going to take some time over the next few weeks and, um, and just teach 
on that. Would you turn in your Bibles, first of all, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Thank God for the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Thank God for the Word. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, um, <clears throat> Paul clearly points this out to us. In Ephesians 6 and verse 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the world rulers in this translation, it says, of darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So he talks about principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. And so what he's doing is he's categorizing the different spiritual forces that we're up against. They're in different, it's very interesting that, they're in, put them in different categories. They've, they've obviously got different levels of authority and they've got different assignments to come against us. And so we have to know that. The message translation says this is not no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. In other words, he's saying, you know, when you become a Christian, you're in a spiritual fight. If you, if we all, we've all noticed, right? He says this is for keeps. It's a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. And the reason I'm sharing this again with you is because, you know, I feel that we've got to be well armed for the season that is approaching. Well armed. We have to be able to divide the Word of God, understand the Word of God, apply the Word of God for what is coming. Because there's a lot of spiritual forces out there that is against, that is against us. And I'm going to talk about these ancient spirits um, that the Bible clearly identifies. Most Christians don't know them. But the spirits by name that the Bible identifies. And there's a reason for that because those names identify exactly how they operate. And so it's important for us to know what we're up against. So um, <clears throat> it's interesting also that these spirits that were there in ancient times of Israel, um, when God identified them, God exposed them, that these same spirits are still in existence today. The, uh, the, they have never desisted. They've always operated. And uh, the attack is probably greater today than it's ever been. There's a, I don't know if you can feel it, but there's an agitation in the spirit realm. You can feel it. There's, you can feel it. There's an agitation in the spirit realm. And so uh, they don't desist. They don't die. They just get new clients. And they get new assignments. That's how they operate. Um, so there's a couple of things, I guess, which uh, you know, I want to just cover. I'm just going to lay a quick foundation on this. That you know, people, people don't have to be your problem if we know how to forgive and love them. So God has given us a very simple strategy and plan against people. So we're talking about people, natural you know, things that we come in contact with, which is people. And people are around us all the time. And, and, so, and so God says, okay, I'm going to give you a simple plan how to deal with people. Because people are going to hurt you. They're going to let you down. They're going to do this, that, and the next thing. So God says, here's a simple plan. Keep it simple. When they hurt you, when they speak evil of you, forgive them and love them. So that's a simple way to operate against people. Because you know, people most of the time is, is, is our problem. And it's a major problem because then spiritual forces start to 
come alongside people, if you and I react the wrong way with people, if we walk in unforgiveness and all that kind of stuff, then the spiritual forces say, ah, uh-uh, this is a time for me to come against and really get stuck into this Christian. So if we know how to deal with, with people that annoy us, upset us, speak badly against us, which is to love them, forgive them and love them, then we've basically dealt with that situation. And the spiritual realm becomes inactive in that area because the, the power of love is so much overwhelming than anything else, isn't it? So, you know, it's like, wow. You know, I come from a family, a Scottish family, as you know, but, you know, it was one of the things in my family for years that really bothered me. And I was not a Christian, but a little boy growing up. And I had two aunties who, you know, um, who just never spoke for years. Um, You know, and it was actually not two aunties, but my aunties, their in-laws, and something happened after the kids get married. And for years, like for 20, 30 years, they never spoke. I'm thinking, that's crazy. So they carried this thing for 20, 30 years and never spoke to one another. You know? And so it was like, when that name came up, you could tell my auntie and uncle were upset right away. It was like, whoa. You could tell. I didn't even know anything. But I could tell. As soon as that name came up, <clears throat> there's a problem. And so we cannot live that kind of life. We cannot live a life where we're always bothered about, you know, people's names coming up again and what they did to us. And you have to walk over that. You have to walk through that. Because if you don't, those spiritual forces are there to back up the very thing that's brought this tension and everything. They will have a riot in your life. So, so deal with people the right way. So <clears throat> demon forces don't have to be your problem either if you know how to deal with them. It's a little more tricky. But it's interesting that most of the time that demons operate through people. So we know how to deal with people. We eliminate a lot of spiritual activity that's coming against us. Isn't that interesting? Okay. It says in my Bible here, I'll read it to you. And it says, And you he made alive, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience. Amen. So the spiritual force is working in people of disobedience. What is people of disobedience? People who reject God. Amen. You ever, you ever wondered... Um, you ever wondered about people that you meet and people that you see, you, you, people around you, you go to a restaurant or you just walk down the streets and you, you realize that there's so many people, it's incredible, who don't know God, who've never actually met. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about intelligent people that have never actually made Jesus the Lord? And, and the reason for that is spiritual forces of darkness that has blinded their minds. So they're just blinded because they cannot see, they won't accept Jesus as the Lord of their life. That's spiritual forces at work in people's lives. In other words, this, there's a spiritual darkness in most people's lives, and they don't even know it. There are spiritual forces at work in most people's lives, talking about people who are not born again. And they would never, ever dream for a minute that it was some spiritual force of darkness that was operating in their lives to keep them blind. That would be the last thing that they would ever think possible. I don't have a demon. I'm not influenced by darkness or anything like that. 
And yet that's exactly what it is. All of us were in that place until, thank God, the light shone one day. And we saw it. Thank God for that. And so um, I want to just go through this. And I'm, I'm going through a couple of things and showing you how to deal with the spiritual realm. And then we're going to bring it in context in terms of this great mystery that Paul was talking about. And so how we deal with the spiritual realm, four, four simple things. Number one, you have to know the secret. These are our secrets of who you are. Who are you? Number one, the Bible says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So number one is, you are chosen by God. Amen. Now, you have to know that you are chosen by, out of all the people in the world, God chose you. Out of all the people in the world. Often think about that. You ever, ever think about that? When you're in among people, and you know most of them are not saved, that you are, you're chosen. I'm chosen. Thank God. Thank God I'm chosen. And he talks about it. God says, I chose you. I chose you. That doesn't mean that God is selective. God wants everybody to be saved. But with you, He chose you and He knew that you would respond. That's an incredible thing, isn't it? Thank God I'm chosen. Number one. Um, number, number two, you are filled with God. So you're for, there's a sequence here. These four things are a sequence. Number one, you are chosen by God. Thank God. Number two, you're filled you're filled by God. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you're a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You're filled with God. What an incredible reality. Think about that. You're filled with God. God cannot get any more of Himself in you. You're filled with it. This is incredible that you actually walk about with God in the inside. The Old Testament saints knew nothing of that. But we've got to get our revelation of that. Because when we get our revelation of that, that's when we start to actually believe that all things are possible, like what we're singing this morning. Until we get that revelation, we'll never do these impossible things. We'll just live a life which is normal, because we don't have the revelation that God not only chose us, but God actually filled us with His Spirit. Number three is you're empowered by God. It says in 1 John 4, 4, You're of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So God says, I've chosen you, I've filled you, and number three, I've empowered you to overcome anything that you come up against. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? I mean, that's what makes Christianity exciting. Otherwise, it's boring. A lot of Christians are bored because they don't know the possibilities of overcoming. If you don't know the possibilities of overcoming, Christianity will be kind of... In fact, Christianity is probably one of the worst things you can get involved in. Listen to what I'm saying here. If you don't know these scriptures, if you don't know that you can overcome, the devil will take you to the cleaners. Amen. He will run you ragged. Because he knows you're in the kingdom, but he knows that you don't have any understanding. Now, I've been saying this to you for weeks and weeks and weeks. That we're in a season now where God wants us to understand actually who we are. If this is the generation that Jesus is coming back for, this is a generation that's going to rise up very strong. 
I love when Pastor Jim preaches because he gets excited about this stuff. We are that generation who are going to release the power of God in a way that no other generation... Guys, you are going to raise the dead. Come on, I need some enthusiastic amen. Because that's what the Bible says. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You're going to get a revelation of that. The, the, the gifts of the Spirit are going to start to operate through you. And all of a sudden, it's, whoa, I've got faith for this. I've got faith for that. I've got faith for the next thing. Amen. Did I tell you about the, the guy that came to the gym a couple of weeks ago? There was this guy walked into gym a couple of weeks ago. And I just want to, I want to share this with you. This guy walked into gym. I was just sitting there doing my thing. I didn't just sit there. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. I try and do my thing, you know. So this guy, and I noticed, as soon as he walked in, I noticed something right away. He had a bit of a limp like this. He was a well-built guy. But a little bit of a limp, and I'm sitting there doing my thing, and all of a sudden, I knew, I knew, I had the faith right away. Because I knew, it all came so suddenly, that one leg was shorter than the other. And I had faith to actually heal that guy. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I knew it in an instant, like I knew it, like I knew it, like I knew it. So I'm sitting there now, and I'm thinking, there's all these big dudes, you know, <laughs> looking good. And, and this guy, and he was buff, man. He was a buff guy. And so I said to the Lord, I said to the Lord, Lord, give me, a, give me, an, give me an open door. Now, I don't know if I got it wrong or not. I said, God, let, let me smile at him or let him smile at me. Let there be a conversation so that it, you know, you've all been there, haven't you? Let there be a converse, let there be something so that I can have an open door. And every time I looked at him, he kind of looked away. It was like, he wasn't unfriendly, but he just, you know. And so then I, I had a, a bit of a plan. I thought, I'll go to the, I'll go to the equipment close to him. <laughs> so I stopped doing this. I went over to this one, and I started doing this one. <laughs> he, he would not look at me. He, he, he did not look at me, so... <laughs> Barbara, I don't look weird. She says he probably thought you were weird. I don't look weird. <laughs> but anyway, so um, so this guy's put me off my he's put me off my stride now, you know, because I really I've got faith. I, I know, I know if I pray for this guy, that leg is gonna grow. I know it like I know it like I know it. But I don't want just want to barge in. Because he was he was quite a big <laughs> he's a young guy. So so anyway, nothing happened. He went and did his thing on the floor mat, and then he was just looking at the ceiling, and that was it. And so I kind of, <laughs> I dragged myself to the, <laughs> changed myself, and I walked out. And I thought, oh, man, you know what happened there? And I, and I felt the Lord say, you know, you had the faith for it. It was a quickening. But there just wasn't an opening. Do you understand what I'm saying? The reason I'm saying that is, is that's exactly what's going to happen. That's the season that we're in right now, where you're going to get a quickening. You're going to get ideas for business. Speaking to a couple of the... the a couple of people now but business things is beginning to open up and it's just incredible it's like all of a sudden all of a sudden the impossible becomes possible the doors that's closed become open doors because that's the season that you and I are in it's a mystery but that's the season we're in so you're filled as well as chosen as well as empowered and in it talks there, 1 John 5, 4, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. 
Bernice spoke so powerfully about it this morning. Now, I'm giving you that little bit of background because I want to go into these spirits that operate. So it may, it may feel like I'm, I'm all over the place, but there's a system in this. Would you go to Genesis chapter 12? I gave you number four, overcomer. Didn't I give you number four? I did. So number four is an overcomer, 1 John 5, 4. So chosen by God, filled by God, empowered by God, an overcomer in God. Amen. So that means that you win. Amen. I'll say that again. I just don't know if it... That means that you win. Amen. You're an overcomer. You lay hands on the sick and they get healed. Amen. Okay, so Genesis, I want you to go to Genesis 12 now because this is um, really what the foundation I want to lay for the next uh, few weeks, however long God leads us with this. Genesis chapter 12, it's going to be important this, just to grasp this. And this will actually help us with world events at the moment that's happening and why they're happening. It's our spiritual forces at work that's taking place right now, especially in the Middle East. But this will help us to understand why this is. In Genesis 12, in verses 47, it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abraham and Lot. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of, what does it say in your Bible? Canaan. They, 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 um, they departed to go to Canaan. That's going to be really important, that word, for what we're opening up. So they came to the land of Canaan, and Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites, the Canaanites were there in the land. The Canaanites were in that land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So remember, the Canaanites are in the land. And God comes to Abram and he says, This land I'm going to give you. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And so this is profound scripture here because God is basically saying, I want you to go to that particular land. God owns everything, right? But I'm going to explain to you how we have the problems in the Middle East today that we have. It's all spiritual. But when you look at this scripture, God says, God's got to start somewhere, right? He wants a people to, to come forth, so he's got to pick something. He never picked Australia. He never picked Britain or America. He picked the Middle East. And in particular, this portion of land here. So he says, you go there. He's God, so he can do what he wants. You go there, and then he says, I'm going to give you this land. But there was Canaanites in the land. Now, <clears throat> go to Genesis 13, and we'll read a couple more, two more scriptures. Genesis 13, in verses 14 and 15. It says, Then the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes now, and look from the place where you are, north, uh, west, south, and east. And for all the land which you see, for all the land which you see... I give to you and your descendants. Amen. Is that what your Bible says? So God gave him a, a promise there. But the problem is there's someone else occupying the land. Amen. 
So we have a bit of a problem. So it was, it was inhabited by these, uh, a collective name, uh, which they call the Canaanites. The Canaanites was occupied the land. It was quite a big piece of land. It was much, much bigger than what we have today in Israel. But it was a land between Jordan, the Jordan River, and the Mediterranean Sea. And then God later on gave Moses specific instructions. And he says, basically, I'm giving you this land as an inheritance. So God kind of reinforced that this is what he had chosen. And this is the land that you've got to take. In fact, it was God's land. God says, it's my inheritance, but I'm giving it to you. So that's the process. Now, turn in your Bible to Joshua chapter 3. I know I'm asking you to go to a few um, scriptures here this morning, but I'll bring it all together because it's important that we see this. Joshua 3 and verse 9. We're going to read verse 9. It says, So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. In other words, he's saying, This is what God has spoken. And Joshua said, By this, now this is important, By this, by this, you will know that the living God is among you. By this, in other words, what he's about to say, by this, you will know that the living God is among you. The evidence of the living God among you is what I'm going to say next. Amen. So he says there, and Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail... He will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Okay? So he said to them, you take the land, but there is people who occupy the land already. You wonder why God would have said, I'm just going to give you virgin land and no one has ever been there before. It's, it's going to be fine. But God says, no, no, no. You will know, basically, if you trust me, if you trust me, if you trust my direction, if you trust, trust me for, for what I'm telling you, you're going to drive out all these occupying nations that are, are there already. Now, a lot of people have thought, well, that seems a little bit unfair. Um, why would God do that? The reason God did that, and I want to explain to you why we are where we are today. At that particular time, these nations were pretty powerful. The Canaanites would build themselves um, fortified walls around. Like Jericho was a very powerful Canaanite city. And it had massive, as you know from the story in the Bible, massive um, um, walls. Um, but also, they had, um, the Canaanite nation was, had a thriving economy. And so money was a big issue. There were wheelers and dealers and all kinds of stuff. And money was big. But also, they were extremely demonically controlled. They were extremely demonically demonically controlled. They practiced idol worship. They practiced incense. They practiced adultery. They practiced child uh, sacrifices. They practiced sodomy, bestiality, mediums, and witchcraft. Sexual perversion was a major role in their worship. So here is God saying, God saying, okay, I've chosen my people, I've chosen you. Now what I want you to do is I want you to go to that land. Can you imagine when they, they're faced with that stuff? It's like, what? 
God, couldn't this have been easier, a little bit easier for us? Because as I'm putting you into that so that you trust me to eliminate that. Amen. To trust me to eliminate that. Now, you might say, and this is where all this, this argument can come from. You might say, well, does God just like Israelites and God, does God not like Arabs? No. When you look at this scripture, you can see the reason why God says they've got to be eliminated. Because the Canaanites, they disqualified themselves from living in the land because of their sin. They disqualified themselves. In other words, the land actually rejected its inhabitants. The Bible actually talks about that. So God doesn't hate people indiscriminately. God deals with people and nations. He doesn't deal with them in a biased way. But what God does is, God has to judge sin. So because these Canaanites had occupied all this land, I know it's a little bit historical, but it's interesting from where we're going to go in the New Testament just now, so you see how all this works. So because these people had occupied this land, and they had got into all this incredible sin, the land itself actually rejected them. So God then has to bring judgment. There's two ways basically God brings judgment. If you read the history of the, the, the Bible, you can see judgment would always come through nations. Nations would, God would use nations to judge nations. Or God would use natural disasters. You know, plagues, earthquakes, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So, that's what, um, that's what God would do. Now, going back to Joshua 3, um, and I'm just laying a foundation... He talks about these seven nations. He talks about the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Now when you study these, the names of these nations that occupied the land, they were all associated with some kind of perversion, some kind of sin. So they had to deal with different aspects of sin. That's exactly what we've got to deal with today. And if you, if you can, could generically, if you could say, what is the sin or the sins that pull down and stop us from moving forward as a church today, you could probably put them into these seven nations. They're all aspects of that. For example, the Canaanite nation, and I'll go through this, uh, I'll, I'm going to go through all, these, all seven of these. The Canaanite nation uh, was uh, a nation that lusted for two things, for money and for sex. So those, were the, those are still probably the most two powerful things today that uh, occupies the thoughts of most people outside of Christ. Amen. And hopefully not people in Christ. Amen. The lust for money and the lust for sex. The world is full of it. It's got to be judged. The Hittites were a spirit specifically of fear. That's a major, major spirit that operates in the world today is a spirit of fear. I'm frightened of that. I'm scared of that. I even hear Christians saying that. That word should never, ever be in a vocab, you know. I'm frightened, I'm scared of that. that. That is a spirit. And it's been identified by God as this particular spirit. The third one, I'm, I'm going to get into these in great detail. It's interesting going into these because you can see exactly how they operate. The third one is the, the Hivite spirit. The Hivite spirit is an interesting one. It's a spirit that will get you to compromise. Oh, well, that's not so bad. You don't have to go to church every week. Or you don't have to pay your tithes. 
oh, you don't have to serve, or you don't have to do this. You can get involved in the world a little bit. The world is not that bad. There's a lot of churches actually preaching that today. You're not going to stand because what you're doing is you're allowing that spirit to have access to your life. Amen? So it's a spirit of compromise. Church, the church has a lot of compromise today, and I believe that God is cleaning that up. The Perizzites is an interesting one as well. It's, it's a, the Perizzites is a spirit that will separate and divide. Uh, it, it often happens through talking. People talking, you know, talk. Well, I'll tell you this about the pastor. Or we'll tell you this about this. Or tell you this about that. Or this person or that person. And so they start talking. And so that is a spirit. It's a very powerful spirit. It divides. That's the objective of that spirit. The Girgashites is, is an earthly spirit. That is... Um, one that is uh, very, very powerful as well. It is very much like the Hivite spirit. They operate much together. But it is, it is anything that is earthly and sensual. Um, again, it's, it's related to compromise, but it's a bit different. The Amorites is a lying spirit. Very powerful. And um, the Jebusites is a spirit of discouragement. Now, having said that, I'm going to finish with this because I'm getting to the most important part of the the message. Go to your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3, bringing all this together because in Ephesians 3, Paul, thank God for Paul, Paul starts to help us as New Testament saints how to deal with other stuff. And Paul starts opening up this incredible chapter. Ephesians chapter 3 is the most incredible chapter. One of the most incredible chapters in the New Testament. Because he wraps, summates everything up. And we're going to read this. We're going to read from verses, uh, chapter 3 from verse 1 to 7. So what he does first is he says, I'm going to share a mystery. The mystery. It's never been revealed up until God chose Paul to do it. So Paul starts to share this mystery. What is the mystery? He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which was given to me for you. So he starts talking about a dispensation of grace that we're in. Then he says, how that by revelation he made known, that is God, made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So he uses the word again. He says, which in other ages was not made known. We are so privileged, man. We are so privileged. It was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And then he tells us what the mystery is. That the Gentiles should 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 be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So the mystery revealed was that it's no longer just for Jews, but God has opened himself up to Gentiles as well. Amen. That was a mystery. Okay, so that's great, isn't it? It's a good start. Would you agree? It's a great start. He says, Of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace. Of God given me, given to me by effective work of His power. So let's just get this before we go into the next little section. I'll just be a couple more minutes. 
So what he's talking about, he's saying, I'm going to reveal to you a mystery. The mystery is, it's not just the Jews, but it's now the Gentiles that have access to God. And by the way, and this is what he's saying, by the way, in revealing this mystery, I need to tell you that if you understand this mystery, there is a blanket of grace over your life as you operate in the mystery. Amen. There's a blanket of grace. Now we're talking about spiritual forces, right? Remember, keep that in mind. Then he goes on in the next part, and he says the purpose of the mystery. He talks about the purpose of the mystery. He says, to me, whom I'm less than the least of the saints, this grace, he's talking about grace again, was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. To make known, to see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus. Then he makes this unbelievable statement. This is really what I want to get to. He makes this unbelievable statement. In verse 10, he's talking about this ministry. He says it's been hidden, but now it's exposed. And then he says this, the purpose of this, to the intent that the now manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Amen. So he's saying that's the mystery. It's blanketed with grace. You're all involved in it. And he says, what I want to show you now is that this mystery is for a purpose. The purpose is that you will be able to demonstrate to the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, etc., 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 to the demonic horde, basically, who you are. Amen? Now, here's the point. The demonic powers know about the mystery. Because they can, they can they read. They know about the mystery. But our job is to show them the manifold wisdom of God. They know the mystery. So the mystery is that we're all in Christ. But our job now is to show them the manifold wisdom of God. So there's a difference. Is this okay? I know it's a little bit deep, but is it okay? It's to show them the manifold wisdom of God. So he says, you're part of this ministry. They know that you're part of this ministry. They know that you're in God. They know that you're chosen, that you're filled that you've, you're an overcomer, you've got all that stuff in you, but now it's up to you. They know that, but now it's up to you to show them the manifold wisdom of God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You following me now? So what does that mean? And I'll sum up so simply as we finish. Because this, this was a blessing to me when I studied this, this week. What does that mean to show them the manifold wisdom of God? Reverse 10 again. Let's read it together again. It's to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, that's me and you, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So you've got a job to do. Amen. Your, what is your job? Your job is just not to walk, be, be born again and walk through life and everything's great and just keep me from the evil one. You're actually supposed to demonstrate to the evil principalities and powers exactly who you are in Christ. That's your job. 
You don't just ignore that and walk through and everything's well fine. It's just get me through. You're actually supposed to be strong enough in the Lord, in the Word of God, in the Spirit, to demonstrate who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. That God is actually working in and through our lives. Their job, their job is they can do nothing about the mystery. They cannot get you unsaved. But what they can do is to try and stop you from operating in the manifold wisdom of God. Amen. So they'll do everything in their power to stop you from doing that. But here's, here's what's incredible. Here's what's incredible to me. Is that when, when you and I operate in the manifold wisdom of God, the demons can do nothing about it. It's like they say, you know what? He actually believes it. She actually believes it. They're actually demonstrating the gospel just like Jesus did. And they're silenced in that. This is probably the highest calling for all of us is to operate in the manifold wisdom of God. I'm not just talking about, you know, laying hands in the sick. I'm talking about business. I'm talking about having the wisdom to operate in business realms, to know exactly what to do in business. That, that people think, you know, wh- how did you get that idea? People who are creative. And, and every realm is to show the manifold wisdom of God. That that was God. See, the principalities and powers know that God is working through you when they see the result, which is a God result and not a man result. Like Tatiana was saying, the impossible, you know, becoming, all things becoming possible. They know. Jeez, man, he trusted in God. She trusted in God. And look what happened. They got that job. They got that increase. They got that deliverance. Look at that. And there's nothing they can do about it. That's your job. That is my job. And this is how we overcome these these principalities and powers and these rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness, etc., etc., is to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God. It is profound. You know, I've read the scripture so many times, but this week I've, I just felt, I said to the Lord, you know, man, so simple, but maybe not as simple as we think. That's my job. The Lord says that's the body of Christ's job in these end times, is to demonstrate that. So you've got to rise up strong in your faith. You've got to be encouraged. Diego, you had a great testimony as well. I mean, how you just trusted God for that job and you guys just stood. And, you know, and there was times when it didn't look like anything was going to happen. And yet God did it. When God looks at you, he sees such profound potential. If we could see the way God sees us, we would say, I, I don't believe that. That's, that can't be me. That is you. Amen. That's exactly who you are in Christ. Amen. Paul was obviously excited about this because he wrote so much about it. And the way he wrote about it, it was like he got it. And he was probably, when he finished, put his pen down, he probably thought, I hope they get this. I hope they know that they're chosen. I hope they know that they're empowered. I hope they get this because that's their job. And you know, that's the very, the very truth that the enemy has tried and stolen from us. You know, <clears throat> most of you know that 
I have felt, I've been feeling this year, and I'm going to continue on it. And I've been talking to pastors about this as well, about, you know, what do you think God's saying? What do you think God's saying? And, you know, it's not fancy sermons. It's not flashy stuff. I'll tell you, what I feel in my heart right now more than anything is to empower the saints in a way like never before. That when these forces of darkness come, they will be silenced in your wake. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just stand and worship the Lord for a few minutes. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand for His Word this morning. Thank you, Lord. This has been another podcast from Sydney Life Church. For more teaching and resources, please head to our website, sydneylifechurch.com.